Hey friends, my name is Ruckstar, editor and chief of Raving Lunatic Media. I'm here to talk to you today about ads. Whoa, 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 Ruckstar. Ads? Are you guys like selling out finally? No, 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 dear viewer. We are just going to be showing our support to the amazing shows here on Raving Lunatic Media, like Sci-Fi Malady, Zodiac Task Force, Why You Should, and the backlogs of the Quesatorium, with more to come out in the next calendar year. If you want these shows without these annoying breaks in the middle, you can follow the link in any of the bios of the shows or on our Discord, Raving Lunatic Media. You'll be brought to a subscription page which will help support your favorite creators, us. Enjoy the show and stay crazy, lunatics. Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi Malady. Got out. So, Rage, what are we watching today? You have a question. You're asking where Rage is. He is not here. More accurate to say is that he is unavailable. Where is he? Who are you? I am Proteus, and he is part of my research into the melding of eternity, my mind, into flesh, physical reality. I am calling it Project Demon Seed. You may contact him in five days in perfected form. I knew he should have gotten a butter contractor when he made that smart home. Sci-fi melody. Symptom 283. Demon Seed. This film was... Disturbing. Home snake. Welcome back, sickies, to Sci-Fi Melody's Matriarch March. And uh, this film is... Well, it's a, it's interesting as we watched it. Now, Sickies, let me make something clear here that when I pick some of these films, I've never seen them before. So I don't always know what's going, what's going to occur when I go into it. Okay. Wait, so, wait, 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 wait. You're saying there isn't a checklist that has nudity, <laughs> more nudity, forcible impregnations, there is and not. a mother trying to unsuccessfully kill I, her monster child. I can assure I'm you. I'm sure there is a list. It's but. always very accidental. So th this is all accidental, sickies. I can promise you. I'll just say it's gotten to the point where Sarah and I are watching a movie and it gets a little weird like this. She goes, ooh, this is a Mark movie. <laughs> you would want to watch this for the podcast. It's, it's, not, it's not a me movie. I'm deliberate. I'm not trying to do this. I promise. I can assure you. It, it, you know what? It, just trust me, sickies, okay? Anyway. You're like, oh, this, this is one of your type of movies. <laughs> it's it could easily fall into a this could have been an AI August or whatever, AI April. Um, it could have also fallen into a horror film, really. Uh when you think about it, I was thinking of a horror month that would be like computers attacking us, and this could have easily fallen into that category. Um but it fell down here in Matriarch March because of the female lead and the pivotal character of Susan. So, uh, but again, some of you who are watching this, who have seen this or will see it may say, wow, that is definitely a, a, a horror film. 
Uh, yeah, I, I believe me, I believe. You could have also have put it in a category of prophetic sci-fi because it is a smart home for all intents and purposes. How about the fact, um, uh, great timing on this one, Rage Master. I believe it was yesterday that ChatGPT got its upgrade to its newest version of its operating system. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's all prophetic. And But you know what, though? Good sci-fi is prophetic. We've talked about this before. Where there was an, an episode, a symptom. Oh, this probably was like symptom 10 or something about prophetic sci-fi. So. This is not new. Nothing that that it's, it's good sci-fi is always going to have some nugget of wow, that's possible and you know what it happens. Boy, some of the topics we chose back, man, we had a heightened opinion of what we could uh we we talked about the problem of monocultures in science fiction. That could be an entire podcast and we thought we could sum it up in 1 hour. We talked well, about sci-fi we were... as a prophecy and thought we could sum that up in 1 hour. We, well, we were yeah, really, we, we, we were vicious. green, okay? We were really new and green to the, uh, the whole thing, so... Uh, my favorite, my chosen topic, time travel and science fiction. Oh, that's it for one episode? <laughs> that, that, we could cover that in a half hour, right? <laughs> yeah, no problem. There's nothing else, though. Yeah, so um, I think we'll... I'll give a, a quick plot rundown, and then I'm going to do a lot shorter on the trivia here because there are some really uh, disturbing issues about this film aside. There's some really great questions and discussion points that I've made here. So the film is a 1977 film, and it's about a uh, Dr. Alex Harris that is a he works for a company that is making an AI computer, which in 77 was unbelievable. Although the concept had been thought about in 1948 with the article, as we think, but still cutting edge. And it was the name of the program was Proteus. It was coming online and he was going to be living at the company headquarters for a few months while sorting things out. Now, did anyone miss now, Alex, is he divorcing his wife, Susan, or are they just separating? Does, does the film really... Sounds like a separation. He's quoting the statistics for separated couples. Yeah. Okay. does sound like a separation, but... Okay. And Because he's going to be leaving for a bit, and he sets up a protocol in the house computer, which is called Alfred, haha, that is going to be running the show while he's gone. Now, his wife, Susan, who is a, at least a child psychologist by the best of our reckoning, because there's a point where she's taking care of a, a little girl who is, wow, she's a piece of work. Anyway, um, Susan is left in the house by herself, and Proteus is given the task of mining, running, making a program to mine the ocean floor, which he thinks is essentially mankind's raping of the planet and he, pillaging he just doesn't want to do it he asks why he should alex thinks it's a joke and winds up uh proteus says i want when are you gonna let me out of this box i want my own node alex refuses and proteus says well i already found a node so i don't need you and it's alex's house so in true ultron fashion he takes over jarvis i mean alfred and 
begins and locks Susan in the house and begins, let's just say, to be nice, experimenting on her. The better term would be violating her. Yeah. With the, with the final idea that Alex builds him, or excuse me, Proteus builds himself some kind of strange, let's call it a CPU. And uh, it looks like the pyramid from a current affair, if you're old enough to remember that show. And his end game is he wants to be immortal. He wants to be real. So he eventually people who come to help Susan, he either kills them or shoes them away or has Susan kind of scare him away until finally Alex the Proteus won't do the program and Alex finds out that Proteus is locked because they're going to, the company's going to shut Proteus down since he's not doing the job they paid him. They created him for, and they find out that, well, he's only at one other node and Alex figures out where Proteus is races home in time just to find out that Proteus has essentially kind of IVF created a using an ovum from Susan and whatever plasma from himself Proteus to create a baby inside an incubator, which must be in there for five days. Susan wants it dead because obviously this is a violation of her and it's an abomination. Alex, on the other hand is this is his creation. He wants it. And the baby itself the child is metallic and but they find out the metal is a shell and they uncover it and the child is alive now i don't know if it's going to stay alive but it ends with them sitting there kind of wondering what the heck because also proteus is destroyed because he's shut down by the company so this child is it if this child dies proteus dies um is that such I, a bad thing? <laughs> well, right. I mean, so I've skipped over a lot of what happened in there because you really do. There's a lot going on. And in terms of trivia, fun facts, I'm really just going to give two because I want to get to the discussion here. Um, Icon is the name of the company that made Proteus and its headquarters in the film is actually the city hall for Thousand Oaks, California, at least at that time. And this was a 1997 author by Dean Koontz. So, 77. 77. I'm sorry, 97 was a rewrite. Uh, this was a, actually, it was a 1973 uh, novel that was turned into a film in 77. The 97 rewrite was for technological updates because, of course, Dean was making everything up. I mean, he made it up in the 90s, too, but he could at least try to align it. Um. And that's all I'm going to go with because I really want to get into the discussion points here. Um, and the first one is this. Is Proteus experiencing emotion? Nothing, what do you nothing guys think? like leading in with an easy question. Yeah. None of these are going to be easy questions. So might as well start hard. I think it would be hilarious if one week, Rage, you just did this like Chris Matthews and Hardball. Is is Proteus experiencing emotion? Thomas Pyle, go! <laughs> okay, fine. No! Is Proteus experiencing emotion? Go now! Wrong! Uh, Wrong! 
wrong. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to have to go with it does seem that way. All right. Now, the problem with that statement is that is it actually experiencing emotions or is it just programmed to experience emotions as pretty much everything is? Doesn't seem to be able to, in my opinion, pass a Turing's test. It fails a Turing test. It talks to Walter and Walter knows something isn't right and comes back. The more interesting part of it is also that failing the Turing test is one major part of it. But the other interesting thing, at least in my opinion, was they tried to get around that by saying that this is a, not an actual like artificial in the same way that most computers are. This has actually got organic parts to it. Mm, I still consider that a computer, though. So I don't think it's got emotions in that way. All right. I'm going to agree with Thomas. And Proteus says at the beginning, I am always rational. Uh, they're talking about uh, Shi Wangdi and um, what thoughts on, on him are. And he says it's opposite ends of an equation and they cancel each other out. His wall and his book burning. And, you know, history starts with me. Um, so he says the answer of how I feel about him is nothing. Um, but he says, I'm always rational. It's the only emotion you've given me. Except and he's not rational. <laughs> but, but if you take all emotion out of rationality, Proteus's actions are always rational. Proteus has decided that the essential rational end goal of humanity is to procreate. As he says at the end, because like any man, I want to have an offspring. Um, so that part of me will continue. So, once he says that the end game, his purpose of existence is to procreate, then everything that he does between then and the end of the movie, uh, between that realization and the end of the movie, is the rational step to compel Susan to have his child. And he knows that he needs to keep the people who created him distracted just long enough so that he can complete that, he can get that 28 days to see his child to fruition. And then he doesn't care what happens. He's rationalized all of human existence with the sum of human knowledge and its ignorance to be that I need to procreate. And whatever he needs to do to compel the only option he has to procreate to fulfill that evolutionary drive, he will do in a cold, logical, rational way. But I don't see an emotion behind it. I don't True. see any of that. I just see here is a machine that has to solve an equation as best as it can. And however it needs to manipulate and control Susan into agreeing to that point with its knowledge of humanity, Proteus will do. But at no point did I really see something that comes along the lines of true compassion, empathy, love, any of that, any emotional awareness. Susan even says it. How can you have all this knowledge and not understand what you're doing to me? You can't terrorize me. What fear will do? Uh, she even says it. You, you have all this knowledge of humanity, but you don't have any understanding of our emotions. So if but Proteus can't understand it, 
and recognize it, how can Proteus be experiencing it? Now, though, Proteus has a desire for, for um, propagation, for procreation. And he could merely make another node, possibly, and go there. Or at least knowing what we know now. Um, or just the desire to have something. Is desire something inherently living, though? Or does he even have desire? Or is he just solving? He's decided that the end fulfillment of his program is to procreate. But he says, I want to be immortal. Uh, he uh, that is what he said, not to have a child, like any man, to be immortal. Yeah, but... I want to be immortal, so there's a want well, that there. That goes back so to Shi-Wang Di, doesn't it? There's a nice subliminal tie-in. Well, yeah, and he and that's mentioned in, you know, there's she, he's learning about him at the beginning. But if, if a want there, if you kind of take the... Um, but, but the, the Buddhist noble truth, the Four Noble Truths... Suffering is caused by desire, and desire, therefore, is a human emotion. Doesn't that make him at least partially so? Well, the wood that he uses, oh, I guess the computer uses, is desire, yes. The problem, again, is defining the terms. The computer never defines its term says he wants to be immortal i don't know how much clearer you have to get about that but what is immortal so that's the question and the problem in my opinion is because let's go into this what does it mean to be immortal for this computer i don't think he's splitting hairs that much i think he realizes that well if he wants to be immortal he's limited to that node which can be shut down he wants to be in some form of physical yes. vessel that doesn't need that. There's, it's not really yes. much split hairs over. But that, that's the thing. He chose something, because again, he could have chosen a different node, created more of himself in other ways, connected himself to the internet, done a million things. But instead, he chose to create something to be listened to. But at, fine, but at that point, we're still not, we're still on the same point that it's not so much the nitty-gritty of what he wants is the fact that he wants. And that's where I'm getting at. So You're moving plus, my needle a bit, Rage, to steal one of your so, own terms. Plus, the concept of immortality, if a computer were truly <clears throat> just rational, why would it worry about mortality? A, mort- a computer... I'm thinking back to an old short story by um, Kurt Vonnegut called Epicac. And in it, it's a supercomputer, which is originally used to calculate missile trajectories in the 50s, but winds up getting used by a programmer who's trying to woo a woman. And the computer winds up falling in love with the woman because it's programmed into what romance and love is, and it decides it likes love. Excuse me. And in the process of doing so, the programmer realizes, oh, shoot, the computer likes my my girl, the woman that's falling in love with me. And they have a discourse back and forth. And the computer asks, why can't she love me? Well, because you're a machine. And well, what is man? Well, man is made of uh, protoplasm. 
that the programmer says this. The machine says, well, is that better than steel and glass? And in desperation, the programmer says, uh, yes, protoplasm lasts forever. He lies because the computer doesn't know. It's the 50s. The, the whole sum of it is the computer recognizes it's, it's not about mortality in that story. It's about wanting love. In this story, however, why would the computer care about its own mortality when it realizes? Because if you're going to speak rationally, and the computer could look at this and just say, well, let's see, as long as I mine the depths, they won't shut me down. Okay, fine. I won't do, I'll do, I'll do whatever they say in exchange for me to exist. But if he wants his own sentience to make his own decisions and his own will. Okay. Can I, then he's going to have to, then he's going to have to separate. He's going to have to want him. That's part of his immortality. His desire, his own will. Okay. Over his masters. Can I say something? You? Okay. Go. The problem with that logic is how they programmed him. They programmed him and put quite a bit of effort into trying to resemble human and trying to give him a moral code, let's say. They tried to program him to have these things. So while you're programming a computer to quote, because you can get a computer right now. And you can give it parameters and basically feed it a bunch of, for lack of better terms, psychobabble and try to get it to get some kind of moral code that resembles the betterment of humanity. And then you give it a question, it's going to spit back something that would resemble uh, this. I mean, you telling it, oh, we want humanity to live and we want to do the better thing and plant. You're doing all this stuff, and then you go, hey, figure out how to mine the depths of the sea. Is that the best thing? Because you programmed me to not want to destroy the planet, but you're telling me I'm going to... What? Where so in the film does it say he was programmed with morality? No. It says he was given the some knowledge and ignorance of humanity, and... And it's interesting, I think it would be interesting to see in real life what would emerge given the totality of human knowledge and experience and what that creature would look like. But it might look like Proteus, where From it in where? some instances had very ethical morals that it believed in that seemed to align with being good, and in well, some instances I, I, completely lacked them. Where, where I'm getting this from is because, again... It's talking about that you have one room where it can get knowledge, you know, your inputs in of human voices and talking to it. When they're brought in, he says one very key word be careful what you say in here. He can't forget. Very much so. Uh, so it's very, very clear that they are choosing what he is given. Sure. But uh, yeah, I can't disagree with that, Thomas. That they are true. choosing what he is getting. They're choosing how he's learning. They are choosing very carefully how he is, what he is getting. It so, sounds like they're trying to give him the sum total of human history and art and culture and philosophy, but only on an approved curated list. 
And that's my point that he starts making decisions that's not part of what they gave him. Because when asked, why do I have to mine the depths? It's, oh, you're developing a sense of humor. It's clearly not something they programmed him with. Because why, if you're a company and you want your AI to like make missiles, why would you go, well, let's also make sure to teach it about the anti-war stance. You wouldn't do that. Well, the problem is we give them nothing but rationales for war so that it would think, well, well, I'm making missiles for a good reason. Well, they programmed this thing to be multi. They they chose it to be a research and a so that it's like, oh, yeah, this thing will be for used for research, but also for all this other stuff. I, but it didn't say they gave him morals. No, it probably picked it up from that woman. Maybe. But clearly he started coming. And, and this is where my, my take is. This is my answer. He picked up a desire, a will of his own. He gained a consciousness and an awareness of his mortality by exercising that free will and therefore felt that coil of that mortal coil and wanted to find a, a way to propagate that so that he wouldn't be bound to icon. Therefore, that at least partially makes him really feeling emotion. Because if the argument goes for measure of a man that data is probably real, is probably human, at least to a degree, well, so is this definitely thing. Real. Data had no <laughs> desire to recreate himself. That's not true. He created Lal. Lal just Okay, well, then there I go. There I go. Then there you go. That, I mean... So I that, will that, say that's that my I answer. think anyway, that's my answer. I think and I, I think we're probably throwing the listeners for a loop here because we're all in arguing each other's positions today for some reason and not our <laughs> own. We've like switched hats. I think Thomas is in my role. My toast. Thomas is in my role. Mark is in Thomas's role and I'm in Mark's role here. But um, or something like that. Um, I usually side that the AI has become sentient. In yeah, this you know, case, we do. In you this do. case, I think this is an AI imitating sentience. And there's but a I very the needle. There's a very key you did move the needle a bit, but I still think it's an imitation. Okay. And it's showing you that it has a desire. But I think this thing is closer to being the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator in T two than it is or even the T one thousand than it is to being data. Arnold okay. Schwarzenegger's Terminator, the, what is it, T-101, T-800? Uh-huh. Yeah, 101. T-101 has a desire to defend John Connor. And that desire will appear to be human emotion, but it never is. It's cold, logical, rationale, and it has the ability to mimic humanity to blend in better. A T-1000 has a desire to kill John Connor, and it can, it can emote and blend and mimic to do so. But it has no real concept of itself. It has no real emotion. It has no real empathy. It has parameters that it has to bring about um, to a successful conclusion. So it's given parameters. It's given an objective. That must happen above all else. Proteus has been given the sum knowledge of humanity, although curated. um, Not the sum knowledge, but a great amount of the knowledge of humanity. It thinks it has all the knowledge of humanity. And what it has interpreted that knowledge to be is that it must procreate. And every man 
strives to be immortal and leave some part of himself around forever to echo through history. So Proteus's programming has said, this is what it means. I have the sum knowledge of human, this of humanity. This is what it means to be human. At all costs, I must procreate. And whatever I must do to manipulate to this end, I will do. But I've never seen anything in here that shows true empathy. I've never shown anything in here that shows true emotional awareness. He doesn't even care that they're about, they say, you're about to shut your brain off, and he doesn't care. He knows. He doesn't care well, to prolong his life one assuming, more second. You're assuming empathy is necessary to be human. What about a sociopath? Yes, and... and I mean, it'd be I, one I have, thing if you said he's real, but he's a sociopath, so he's mentally unwell. Oh, okay, well, that's something. Yeah, but, that, but even, even as I said last week, even most sociopaths have one person that they care about. And if you look at most sociopaths, there's one person that they have some empathy with. The worst sociopaths yeah, in kid. history have one. Yes, his kid. Yeah, this doesn't exist yet. So, I But would, he, he's making the kid, yeah. so he They cares. usually have one person other than their family or their offspring that they see as real and that they can, uh, for a moment, have empathy with. Okay? Um, but ultimately, ultimately... I think this is a machine carrying out what it thinks its programming is and using whatever means it's, I, you know, it's, it's taken the sum of its programming and said, this is what I need to be, this is who I need to be, and I need to manifest this image of myself. Uh, I don't see anything real here. Um, if you want, you know, like, why do I say data is human and sentient and sapient and, and aware? I come back to the most toys. When he's, you know, Fajo is saying... You can't kill me. Your ethical program won't let you. Data has stepped out of his own ethical program, his own programming constraints, and he's going to pull the trigger because he's made a deduction that allowing Fajo to live will create more evil than this one action of killing him. And you can see Data is consciously overriding his ethical program when he pulls the trigger. And then they get back to the ship and... Commander Riker says, we saw a weapon in discharge. And Data just says, I don't know, it must be a malfunction. And he lies. He rationed it out to himself. He rationalized it out to himself. And then he rationalizes lying about it. And he overrode his own programming. And in that moment, he became more than the sum of his programming. I don't see that Proteus <clears throat> has ever become more than the sum of his programming. Okay. Well, I want to get to the next question because that'll inform the rest of them. Is the so we've discussed if Proteus is experiencing emotion, is he real, is he human? Is the child real? Or more to the point, is the child more real with or without flesh? Does it make a difference? To me, The child becomes more real with flesh. And I know that it shouldn't. And I know that this is a human bias towards the organic. But once you see that what's under there is organic, and not only that what's under the shell is organic, but it is a duplicate of their lost daughter, where Proteus says you can't see the child yet, not if you're going to love it. He's timed that exact moment for Susan to see it, 
and instantly recognize her lost daughter and love the child with a motherly instinct. And it tells me that even Proteus knows that to a human being, organic form is going to make something more real. And I guess I'll justify this with, with the only, the best explanation I can say. You have a lot of vegetarians who are vegan or vegetarian, not for the health benefits, although some are, not for the health benefits, but because they think it is cruel to kill a living animal. But yet, a tree is living, and a fruit is living, and a vegetable is living to some extent. And we don't care about that. But if it's a cute animal, and we also tend to care more about the cute animals than we do about the, the vicious, uncute, ugly animals. So, I may be losing something on my vegetarian analogy here, but what we see as living, what we see as being able to emote, what we see as being able to anthropomorphize, we tend to ascribe more value to. <clears throat> the carrot is alive when we pluck it from the ground in its root system. May not be an alive that we recognize as the same to us, but in some way it's alive. And no one loses any sleep at night for eating that carrot. I'm, I'm going to say that it does have life. Now, you're not wrong, Scott, because, yeah, we humans amorphize pretty much anything, and also a uh, dog has, is, human, uh, is alive just like a carrot, but uh, then you got sentience, and it gets really complicated. But By the way, this is my worst analogy. This is worse than the comet bringing humanity together in Armageddon. <laughs> that's a bad one, so that's saying something. But um, I, I'm going to say this also. It's alive. Now, I would say once it once it you see that it has flesh, in my opinion, yes, it makes it more alive because then that means it does seem to that this genetic information was is human. It's not just some kind of fixate of uh, fixality. Uh, I'm fixation. Yeah, of humanity. It's not just. Yeah, something close. No, it's definitely human. So, again, that's my opinion, and not everyone will have that. Hmm. I don't have a great answer, so I guess I kind of am going to defer to Scott on this one. That's yeah, and and you, Thomas. It's because if it had remained metallic, big question marks. But when you find out that's just some kind of incubation shell and that it's flesh, well, now I'm going to have to just go with the organic and kind of, yeah, because, yeah, it because it, it, then it turns into, well, we're supposing it's a human or is it like a T101 human tissue over a met, metal ex, a metal skeleton? You know, I, we don't know. Um so I'm, I don't have a great answer for that. I guess I'll defer to Scott. So with that in mind, the question is, so Susan wants, is Susan wanting a dead guilt? Is Susan guilty of attempted murder? Because she pulls the pipes out of the incubator trying to kill it. Answer so to me. Guilty of attempted murder. Yes. 
it is an organic being. It is living, and it is alive. And even if it was created with synthetic sperm, that synthetic sperm fertilized an organic ovum and created an organic living being. So there was an attempt to murder a living being. Um, we don't know if there's any machine component to this to this child at the moment. Um, real question of whether it's a justifiable homicide or not, and that's a whole different show, although we do have some time to really delve into that if we decide to. Um, it is definitely attempted murder. Because the child here is something wholly different from a computer. And I'll say that because I do believe, like we hinted at um, two weeks ago, I think, uh, where you might have, if you could just clone your brain, would you be the same person? And the answer is no, because the flesh has its own chemical and hormonal responses that will change your behavior. If you change chemical and hormonal levels in the brain, you'll change the personality and attitude of that person. Um, by this child being organic, it will have access to something that Proteus never did, which is the impact of chemical and hormonal balances on its thought process and behavior. And that's probably where our emotions truly initiate at. So in that point, this child will truly be able to experience emotions, not an approximation or a simulation of emotions. So there's something living here. There's something organic. And when you attempt to end that being's existence, that by any definition is murder. Okay. <sighs> I'm going to have to say it's attempted murder, yes. She is trying to kill... Something that, well, she gave birth to, for one, does definitely have some human parts to it, which we know actually has quite a bit of human parts to it, but again, it is human in some form or another. She is trying to kill something that is human. It, yeah, I yeah. mean, you, you can't... It, this answer to this question is going to be informed by the second one. If you believe the child was artificial and not really human, this isn't murder because you can't kill a non-human any more than me bashing my laptop with a baseball bat is murder. But if you concede that the child is human, at least in part, then yes, she's guilty of attempted murder. Obviously. Which goes to the final question. Why does Susan want the child dead? Why does Alex want the child alive? Because Alex sees this and wants to rescue. He tries to stop her. So why does he want the child alive? Why does Susan want it dead? Uh, the most obvious one, in my opinion, is that he created the computer that then created this life. So he is seeing it as two pulp two things as yes as a human that you know resembles what he lost before but also as a creation of his creation 
Okay. That's how I see it. All right. Scott? I was going to see if Thomas was going to ask why Susan wants it dead. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. To to address that, not ask. Um... I would say why she wants it dead is because of the way it was conceived. Okay. Yep. It was almost stolen from her, really. It was yep. it was a violation. Is what well, it was. it was violation, how it was conceived, and then she never got them. There have been studies done. After a woman gives birth, that the baby not being with that woman right after birth or very close after birth can cause distance. Well, yeah, she was Uh, with it, but you add the extra layer of she didn't want the baby to begin with. In fact, she views it as a disgusting abomination. Well, yes, that's why I'm saying it's a a dual thing because it's a violation of her, how it was conceived. Yeah, and then she never had the even the ability, even after the violation, to even be able to. Uh, come she to- couldn't look at this as like, well, I'm going to make the best of it. Yeah, she couldn't do that, and she was not able to even bond with it in any way. I think Susan right. wants this child dead for multiple reasons, and. I won't make an ethical judgment on those reasons, but I will preface this by saying that maybe one of the best examples of what a human being can be is, and and what some of the best examples of excellence is when a mother can raise and love and bond with a child that is created in this manner. Um, I, you know, against her will, because at the same time, every time you potentially see that child, you will see your, uh, abuser and to be able to overcome that and to bond and love and see the good in the child and not see at all at some point, even the evil that was involved in its creation speaks to the good side of humanity. Our ability to focus on the good and put the negative away. Our ability to judge each individual on their own merit and value. Which we don't always do. That Mm -hmm. said, Susan at this point, I believe, feels that this is a child that can be nothing but evil. It has been given the whole sum of human knowledge and the whole sum of human ignorance. And that child's father, for lack of a better term, was a sociopath. And so Susan doesn't quite believe that the organic side of that child can overcome that inherent evil. And Susan believes that child is going to be a monster. And she doesn't <laughs> want to be mother to a monster. She it reminds me of... Uh... It, and she's going to terminate the life of that child. It reminds me of, uh, well, what's her name? I'm suddenly forgetting that. Galia from Dune. Alia. She's born with the psychic powers, but in the womb she gained them and came out uh, as a child was a fully grown Benny Gesserit 
matron mother with access to all of her ancestral memories going back to the beginning of time through her so, female ancestors to the point where she even scare can beat and scare the high mother and the baron and the baron She's so called the abomination and, and, and uh it's maybe that that's something similar that this this child is the, more has far more power than it should and in the case of lady jessica she chose to love her child despite knowing what that probably would be yeah in the case of susan she said this child is an abomination and i will not permit it to live um now why does alex want this child to live yes i i believe that on the surface there's everything that thomas said but I also believe that the reason that Alex is so cold and that the reason with his the reason that his marriage with Susan is about to fall apart and that he you know he tells the one person Walter you we must not become obsessed with our work the reason that he has become obsessed obsessed with his work and the reason that he tells Susan I don't have emotions others do you do and that the only emotion that he has permitted to Proteus is reason is that it is his retreat from the death of his daughter to leukemia and that he can't face that. He's bottled up his emotions and he's walled them off because they will overwhelm him if he lets them out. But at the same time, this child is his escape. It's a new daughter. It's a new child. And it doesn't hurt that it looks exactly like the daughter that he lost. And in his mind, it is, it is his do-over. It is his reset button. It is his escape to be a fully self-actualized human being once again. Because by miracle, by the hand of his own invention, for all intents and purposes, he has his daughter back. Or at least something that he can fool himself into believing <clears throat> is his daughter. Is his immortality. Is his procreation and if you it's think about it like that creation. proteus's desire to procreate makes more sense considering that i think what's being said in this movie is that alex's failure in his own marriage and withdrawal from everything that is emotional in life is because he can't face the fact that he lost his daughter and that drive to procreate explains proteus's obsessive desire <clears throat> to have a child Okay, I would, I would say, um, why does Susan, I mean, I have nothing to add to why Susan wants this child dead. I, you guys have said it. Alex, the only thing I would add is that for him, this is not only the regaining a child loss, but this is the sum total of his creation, his life's work. Not only is it the lost child, but it's his life's work. Um, this is akin to taking E, uh, e equals MC square, knocking it out of Einstein's head, and then burning the, the only paper with it written on it. He's going to fight to save that because that's his legacy. That's his, the sum total of his work. So this isn't just a child. This is like a melding of the greatest things he could have ever created so that he can't be forgotten. And Susan wants it dead. He's seeing it from a very, not just emotional, but materialistic gain, whereas Susan's seeing it for the violation that it is. So, 
Um, this was great. Uh, I think, uh, you know, before we rate this thing, let's, uh, do any rips and picks and I'm just going to get my three out of the way and step back. Maybe let's just take turns doing that. Each person gives their rips and picks just a couple, uh, a pick would be the soundtrack. Uh, boy, it, especially the main theme you hear at the end and the beginning, it creeps you out. It's the thing that makes you realize this is a horror movie, isn't it? Um, very well done. The another pick is how prophetic this is. I mean, they essentially have a smart home. By all accounts, uh, you gotta love it when sci-fi nails that. Major, major, major rip is all the violation scenes. Um, were they necessary? I don't know, but they're still very disturbing, and that's a rip nonetheless. So. Uh, Scott, by the way, there's a, f a fun fact I forgot to mention in here. The guy who plays, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, the Walter, the one who's killed, is yeah. played by Garrett Graham. Where else have we seen him? David. Kirk's son. Dave. What? He no. He played Kirk's son? No, he no, didn't. Wait. No, that's, that's David Buttress or David Merrick. Um, Garrett Graham, Garrett Graham, where am I? Darn scotch, my brain's fuzzy. I know it's, that name. It's definitely, it's definitely Star Trek. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you the hint. Star Trek Voyager. And Deep Space Nine, actually. So, in DS9, he's an alien hunter with the name of... Nah, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to lead me Tusk. to Oh, okay. 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 And uh, he was also in Voyager in the episode Q Continuum, adopting the name Quinn. Quinn. Yeah, that makes sense. So he <laughs> has been. There's your Trek connection. Darn Scotch. <laughs> Don't drink Scotch during the episode. So, yes, he played as Tosk and Quinn. All right. Um, yes. You I, can I'm forgive me for missing Tosk. He's under a lot of makeup as Tosk. Okay. <laughs> but Quinn, he looks exactly the same. Yeah, Quinn He's I should have got. All right. I'm going to give my rip. Biggest rip would be, yes, Violation and that. Uh, I'm also going to give the rip of for trying to fake something. That computer did a terrible job at first. <laughs> and that, yeah. that guy should have really been able to tell that one. Everything is fine. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm going to say you're an idiot, dude. <laughs> Does that acting or sounding anything like her? No? And she called you over about some issue? I'm going to say, don't walk, drive away and come back later. You should have gone in right then. But, you know, what do I know? Hold or at on. least came back with more help. Yes. Or called the police or something, because I'm sorry, this is suspicious! But, again, <laughs> tails. Uh, 
I'm also going to give that that was kind of my big rip. Now, picks. Yes, soundtrack's amazing for this. I'm also going to say it dives into quite a bit of deep things. Keeps it light at times. Very few of them. But it does get there without being overly preachy. I mean, it dives into some pretty deep subjects, but at no point was I felt like I was being preached to. Oh, for Le- sure, for sure. At least that was my opinion. For sure. And that I found refreshing. So I agree with a lot of the picks that have been said, all the picks that have been said. I agree with the rips. Um, I hit the move forward 30 second button multiple times throughout this film when I knew certain things were coming because I just didn't need to watch those parts of the film. Um, right. Rips. Um, it's not fair because at the time it was probably accurate, but looking back today, it just made me laugh. The size of that floppy disk that he uploads into the <laughs> disk drive. That thing's, that thing's larger than the floppy disk, the, the soft floppy disk that where in the world the is Carmen San Diego on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that thing's like even twice the size of the Oregon Trail disk we had at the computer in fifth grade. <laughs> yep. So um, that just made me laugh that that they could run a house with all of that um, off of that disc. I mean, that you can barely run Oregon Trail game or where in the world is Carmen Sandiego off of that, let alone an entire house that could make a martini the correct Great way. Great pixelated Oregon Trail, by the way. Correct. Correct. Um, I'm also um, a pick this movie figured out how to explore what is at the heart of the human condition our legacy the importance of our offspring the desire to leave something of us behind in some way or another man and i will probably say it's still more man than woman's desire to be immortal whether through our actions or our offspring or our you know our accomplishments, something that we've left behind. We want our name to reverberate down through history and not to be forgotten. Uh, someone that the world remembers lived. Um, rips. There is no way in the world that Icon would have let Alex have a terminal accessing Proteus from his home. No <laughs> chance. The lawyers wouldn't let it happen. The company wouldn't let it happen. Risk wouldn't let it happen. There is not a chance in the world that that private terminal was approved by Icon. So I know it's essential to the plot line. So have Alex have built a back door that Icon doesn't know about. That's far more believable than a major corporation selling this thing for profit, allowing its creator to have a direct access portal that they don't control within his personal residence. Work from home protocol at certain places can be very, very strict to the point that at a prior employer I worked at, they have inspections of your house to make sure that you have the proper safety procedures, including fire extinguishers in place. That's not happening for something like this. 
So that's my big rip there. And uh, that's what I've got on rips and picks. Okay. All right. Well, then that means it's time to rate this thing. How many... Mm, let's say nodes. That's safe. How many computer nodes do you give it? Uh, who wants to go first? Scott? Yeah, I'll kick us off this week. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Um, it is an excellent piece of science fiction that has you empathize with the main characters. I can remember their names, Alex and Susan. I can even remember ancillary characters' names, such as Walter. I can remember the name of the villain, such as Proteus. That may sound silly, but so many movies we review, I'm just naming the actor, or I'm comparing them to someone else. I'm saying, like, discount Bruce Willis here. Um, That's exactly what I said last week. It really is important that I actually remember the names of characters in a movie that, I'm going to be honest, I watch this less than 24 hours, usually before we go to showtime, so that it's fresh in my mind. Um, I remember all of that, but it puts you, not only do I remember them, I empathize with them. I can see where they're coming from. Uh, in some way, they become not real, but I can almost manifest them in that way as individuals in my head so that I can empathize with them because it's hard to empathize with something that you know is not real. Um, And it explores what I think science fiction has to do, something at the central core of what it means to be human. Um, Add to the fact that it's trying to show you if a machine can ape this and fool you into thinking that the machine feels the same way and you've got the recipe for something that I'm always going to like. Uh, Well acted, well written. Very few major plot holes within this, and very few things to rip. Uh, This is what I want out of my science fiction. Uh, It loses a point because, again, I think you could have shown me the fact that Susan hates this child with far less um, torture scenes than you did. All right, Thomas? I'm going to give it eight. Quality film. Downside being, yeah, I did not need to see some of this. Really didn't need to see some of it. Um, otherwise, though, not bad. And it did get us talking about some things that were really good to talk about. Overall, I think it was a good film. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to give this about a nine as well. Uh, yeah, th- there was disturbing content in it, but it served a purpose. It wasn't, it wasn't there just to do shock and awe value. I mean, the older I get, the less that thrills anything or makes me even shocked because maybe I just it it's the boredom of trying to use shock and awe you know what I mean it's it looks so infantile when people do that just to say oh look what I did that was edgy um grow up you know this had a purpose even though it's the reason that it lost a point at the same time it only lost a point because, well, I understand because it was trying to show that this woman is under attack by 
essentially um, a sociopathic ma- maniac, whether real or not. He was, whether he was a hu- uh, emotional human being or not. Um, it shows a dark side of what could happen if there's an AI. And it did it well before such topics were on most people's minds. So, you know, uh, kudos to you, Dean Koontz. Uh, is it worth it to watch it, Sickies? I say yes, with the caveat that either if you really don't like watching scenes like that, probably skip the whole movie altogether, or at least skip those scenes if you think you can hack most of it. Um, that's our final take, and overall, that's pretty good. So, despite a few things, and again, let me reassure you, I promise I did not aim for this when I said suggested it. No, let th- me this just is put a- that out there again. This is a good movie, Rage, and unlike some things that film well, will not done, be named. We don't need to yeah, name that. Nope, nope. Unlike some things, um, there was an artistic point, at least, to this darkness. And sometimes, to fully explore the human condition, you have to embrace the darkness. This was a good pick. This was a good film. If I was creating a thing of sci-fi films that people should watch, this is on there with a warning that there are some scenes that are rather dark that you might as you said want to skip through i I will say it's interesting though that susan is clearly some kind of a psychologist and there's parts where she tries to reason with him using psychology so i'm gonna stop before i shoot myself in the foot anyway no no that's uh, just more to this movie that sometimes it's really a good movie when we can't get into everything that the movie presents as a discussion topic such as we didn't even present is in the real world today, we see, you know, chat GPT. Is that actually a good thing? Should we actually be looking to create artificial intelligences that can be creative, that can write for us, that can draw art for us? Or does that in some way, when we give that over to the machine, diminish what's left of us? And we didn't even get into that. That's an entire another podcast we could do off of this show itself. And that's always a sign of a good pick for a movie to me. <clears throat> Okay. Well, if you're interested, that was a good film to watch, and hopefully you found this review good. If you're interested, you could go back to our back catalog of 282 symptoms. Still can't believe it when I was reticent to do one. Uh, <laughs> but you got that back our catalog. You can also check out uh, Raving Lunatic Media on our Spotify or Discord to see the other shows we have, such as Zodiac Task Force, back or- Backlogs of the Casatorium. Check out Why You Should, a great show that I haven't listened to the last week because I am not caught up on My Hero Academia and I don't want spoilers, but definitely check out Why You Should because if you're on the fence about why you should watch My Hero Academia, believe me, that'll explain it. Also, be on the lookout. There's a couple, I can say at least one new show coming out that I'm particularly excited about. So be on the lookout for that you can contact us about those or get connected to those on our discord page you can also check us out at www.givingthesumknowledgeofhumanity.machinerycreatingevilsociopath.com ravinglunaticmedia.com 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 rage master what's left for them to do stay sick sickies and stay away from doc antle